Volume One, Chapter Six of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Capricia Page. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Volume One, Chapter Six. How she took the news. It was past midnight when the tempest carriage drove through the dark rhododendron shrubberies up to the old Tudor porch. There was a great pile of logs burning in the hall, giving the homecomers cheery welcome. There was an antique silver spirit stand with its accompaniments on one little table for the squire, and there was another little table on the opposite side of the hearth for Mrs. Tempest with a dainty tea-service sparkling and shining in the red glow. A glance at these arrangements would have told you that there were old servants at the Abbey House, servants who knew their masters' and mistresses' ways, and for whom service was more or less a labor of love. "'How nice,' said the lady, with a contented sigh. "'Pauline has thought of my cup of tea.' "'And Forbes has not forgotten my soda-water,' remarked the squire. He said nothing about the brandy, which he was pouring into the tall glass with a liberal hand. Pauline came to take off her mistress's cloak, and was praised for her thoughtfulness about the tea, and then dismissed for the night. The squire liked to stretch his legs before his own fireside after dining out, and with the squire, as with Mr. Squeers, the leg-stretching process involved the leisurely consumption of a good deal of brandy and water. Mr. and Mrs. Tempest talked over the Briarwood dinner-party, and arrived, with perfect good nature, at the conclusion that it had been a failure. "'The dinner was excellent,' said the squire. "'But the wine went round too slow. My glasses were half empty the time. That's always the way when you've a woman at the helm. She never fills her cellars properly, or trusts her butler thoroughly.' "'The dresses were lovely,' said Mrs. Tempest. "'But everyone looked bored.' "'How did you like my dress, Edward? "'I think it's rather good style. "'Theodore will charge me horribly for it, I dare say.' "'I don't know much about your dress, Pam, "'but you are the prettiest woman in the room.' "'Oh, Edward, at my age!' exclaimed Mrs. Tempest, with a pleased look. "'When there was that lovely Lady Mabel Ashburn. "'Do you call her lovely?' "'I don't. "'Lips too thin, waist too slim, too much blood, and too little flesh.' "'Oh, but surely, Edward, she is grace itself, quite an ethereal creature. "'If Violet had more of that wind-lined air, heaven forbid! "'Vixen is worth twenty such fine-drawn misses. "'Lady Mabel has been spoiled by overtraining. "'Roderick is evidently in love with her,' suggested Mrs. Tempest, "'pouring out another cup of tea. "'The clocks had just struck two. "'The household was at rest. "'The logs blazed and crackled merrily.' the red light shining on those mail-clad effigies in the corners, lighting up helm and hawbrook, glancing on greaves and gauntlets. It was an hour of repose and gossip, which the squire dearly loved. Hush! What is this creeping softly down the old oak staircase? A slender white figure with cloudy hair, a small pale face and two dark eyes shining with excitement, little feet in black velvet slippers, tripping lightly upon the polished oak. Is it a ghost? 
no ghosts are noiseless and those little slippers descend from stair to stair with a gentle pit-a-pit bless my soul and body cried the squire what's this a gush of girlish laughter was his only answer vixen did you take me for a ghost papa cried violet descending the last five steps with a flying leap and then bounding across the hall to perch light as a bird upon her father's knee did i really frighten you did you think the good old abbey house was going to set up a family ghost a white lady with a dismal history of a broken heart you darling papa i hope you took me for a ghost well upon my word you know vixen i was just the least bit staggered your little white figure looked something uncanny against the black oak balustrades half in light half in shadow how nice exclaimed vixen but my dear violet what can have induced you to come downstairs at such an hour ejaculated mrs tempest in an aggrieved voice i want to hear all about the party mamma answered vixen coaxingly do you think i could sleep a wink on the night of rory's coming of age i heard the joy bells ringing in my ears all night that was very ridiculous said mrs tempest for there were no joy bells after eleven o'clock yesterday but they rang all the same mamma it was no use burying my head in the pillows those bells only rang the louder ding dong ding dong dell rory's come of age ding dong dell rory's twenty-one then i thought of the speeches that would be made and i fancied i could hear rory speaking did he make a good speech papa capital vix the only one that was worth hearing i am so glad and did he look handsome while he was speaking i think the swiss sunshine has rather overcooked him you know but he is not unbecomingly brown he looked as handsome a young fellow as you need wish to set eyes on my dear edward remonstrated mrs tempest languidly too thoroughly contented with herself to be seriously vexed about anything do you think it is quite wise of you to encourage violet in that kind of talk why should she not talk of him she never had a brother and he stands in the place of one to her isn't rory the same to you as an elder brother vix the girl's head was on her father's shoulder one slim arm around his neck her face hidden against the squire's coat collar he could not see the deep warm flush that dyed his daughter's cheek at this home question i don't quite know what an elder brother would be like papa but i'm very fond of rory when he's nice and comes to see us before anyone else as he did to-day and when he stays away oh then i hate him awfully exclaimed vixen with such energy that the slender figure trembled faintly as she spoke but then tell me all about the party mamma your dress was quite the prettiest i'm sure i am not certain of that violet answered mrs tempest with grave deliberation as if the question were far too serious to be answered lightly there was a cream-coloured silk with silver bullion fringe that was very striking as a rule i detest gold or silver trimmings but this was really elegant it had an effect like moonlight was that lady mabel ashburn's dress asked vixen eagerly no lady mabel wore blue gauze the very palest blue all puffings and ruchings like a cloud oh mamma the clouds have no puffings and ruchings my dear i mean the general effect a sort of shadowiness that suits lady mabel's erythral style erythral repeated violet thoughtfully you seem to admire her very much mamma everybody admires her my dear because she is the duke's only daughter no 
because she is very lovely and extremely elegant and most accomplished she played and sang beautifully to-night what did she play mamma chopin did she cried vixen then i pity her yes even if she were my worst enemy i should pity her still people who are fond of music don't mind difficulties said mrs tempest don't they then i suppose i am not fond of it because i shirk my practice but i should be very fond of music if i could grind it on a barrel-organ oh violet when will you be like lady mabel ashburn never i devoutly hope said the squire here the squire gave his daughter a hug which might mean anything never mamma answered violet with conviction first and foremost i never can be lovely because i have red hair and a wide mouth secondly i can never be elegant much less ethereal because it isn't in me thirdly i shall never be accomplished for poor miss mccroke is always giving me up as the baddest lot in the shape of pupils that ever came in her way if you persist in talking in that horrible way violet let her talk as she likes pam said the fond father i won't have a bitted too heavily mrs tempest breathed a gentle sigh of resignation the squire was all that is dear and good as husband and father but refinement was out of his line do go on about the party mamma did rory seem to enjoy himself very much i think so he was very devoted to his cousin all evening i believe they are engaged to be married mamma exclaimed vixen starting up from her reclining attitude upon her father's shoulder and looking intently at the speaker rory engaged to lady mabel ashburn so i am told replied mrs tempest it will be a splendid match for them the pretty chestnut head dropped back into its old place upon the squire's shoulder and violet answered never a word past two o'clock cried her mother this is really too dreadful come violet you and i must go upstairs at any rate we'll all go said the squire finishing his second brandy and soda so they all went upstairs together vixen had grown suddenly silent and sleepy she yawned dolefully and kissed her mother and father at the end of the gallery without a word and then scudded off swift as a sacred rabbit to her own room god bless her exclaimed the squire she grows prettier and more winning every day if her mouth were only a little smaller sighed mrs tempest it's the prettiest mouth i ever saw upon woman bar one said the squire what was vixen doing while the fond father was praising her she had locked her door and thrown herself face downwards on the carpet and was sobbing as if her heart would break rory was going to be married her little kingdom had been overturned by a revolution her little world had crumbled all to pieces till to-night she had been a queen in her own mind and her kingdom had been rory her subjects had begun and ended in rory all was over he belonged to someone else she could never tyrannize over him again never scold him and abuse him and patronize him and ridicule him any more he was her rory no longer had she ever thought that a time might come when when he would be something more to her than a playfellow and friend no never the young bright mind was too childishly simple for any such foresight or calculation she had only thought that he was in some wise her property and would be so till the end of both their lives he was hers 
and he was very fond of her, and she thought him a rather absurd young fellow, and looked down upon him with airs and ineffable superiority from the altitude of her childish womanliness. And now he was gone. The earth had opened all at once and swallowed him, like that prophetic gentleman in the Greek play, whose name Vixen could never remember, chariot and horse and all. He belonged henceforth to Lady Mabel Ashburn. She could never be rude to him any more. She could never take such a liberty with another young lady's lover. And to think that he should never have told me he was going to be engaged to her, she said. He must have been fond of her from the very beginning. And he never said a word. And he let me think he rather liked me, or at least tolerated me. And how could he like two people who are the very antipodes of each other? If he is fond of her, he must detest me. If he respects her, he must despise me. The thought of such treachery rankled deep in the young warm heart. Vixen started up to her feet, and stood in the midst of the firelit room with clenched fists, like a young fury. The light chestnut tresses should have been Medusa's snakes to have harmonized with that set white face. God had given Vixen Tempest a heart to feel deeply, too deeply for perfect peace, or that angelic softness which seems to us most worthy in women, the power to suffer and be patient. End of Volume 1, Chapter 6 Recording by Capricia Page